This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 850, a conversation with Chuck Austin and Pat Olive, creator commentary on Edgeworld. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans Podcast. I am your host, Adam Chapman, and this is episode 850. It's a long title. It is the conversation with uh, Chuck Austin and Pat Olive, creator commentary on Edgeworld. I'm very excited to do this episode. Um, Edgeworld is the recent series that came out through Comixology Originals, so uh, it was just digital, although it does have an upcoming trade paperback release where we talk about in the interview. Um, but uh, Chuck returned to comics uh, to write this story that had been kind of noodling around in his head for a while, um, and uh, he partnered with Pat Olf, who he had has been friends with for a long time and also originally had worked on a, a project together um, and uh, back in the day, I think it was The Call. And so they came together and they pitched this deal to um, to Comicsology Original, and it's been so engaging and enjoyable. So I've really been loving it, and I think you will too. Uh, if you want to go back before you get into this episode, first of all, we do do a lot of spoilers. We do a very deep kind of creator commentary, specifically on issues two to five. We talked a little bit about issue one, but I kind of covered issue one already. Um, if you check out episode 810, it's with uh, Pat and then issue 814 with Chuck. So um, we originally did these interviews solo, um, and it was really interesting to kind of, especially to go back I, when I talked with Pat and then uh, talking to Chuck afterwards, and I'd already talked with Pat, so it was just to kind of bring things that I'd learned from the conversation with Pat into the conversation with Chuck. So when uh, I found out that you know the fifth issue would be dropping February the 9th, I reached out to both and said, you know what, we got to do a we got to do a podcast to talk to you both at the same time to really kind of go back and forth and and understand the creative process that went into such a, an engaging and enjoyable series. Um, so as I said, I very much enjoyed this. Uh, I think it's pretty evident <laughs> throughout the interview because. Um, I, I bring up a lot of things that I really kind of dug and enjoyed um, about the series, and really, we again we go deep in terms of some of the details that were involved. And anyways, uh, I think if you uh, you should go and first of all read the book; it's it's really good. It's part of their again, it's on Comicsology. So uh, if you have Comicsology Unlimited, you have access to this series anyway. Um, I think there is a digital trade that's coming out for a very good price uh, in a couple months as well. If you didn't pick up the original kind of single issues, but uh, you know go read those first uh, that's the best way to enjoy this episode and you can almost kind of go issue by issue and because uh, we go really deep in depth into a true kind of creator commentary and I love doing these uh, one of my favorite things is to be able to look at something I love with the creators who put it together and get a sense of what they were thinking and you know and uh, it, you know it's just a, it's an incredible experience to be able to put together um, so enjoy this episode again I had a great time talking with Pat and Chuck and at some point we'll have them back on in the future when we have more Edgeworld, which they confirm and talk about it here as well, that we will get many more stories um, on the Edgeworld uh, kind of universe, and I cannot wait. Um, especially that that fifth issue was a doozy. Um, it, it's amazing how much emotion they really pack into these pages. But anyways, I will uh, be expanding upon that in the interview anyway. But uh, thanks for listening to this episode. You can always email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Rate the show on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, and also listen to us on Stitcher. Again, this was just such a blast, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I uh, had fun talking to the guys thanks so much enjoy chuck pat welcome back to the comic shenanigans podcast 
sir. Thank you, Adam. So I'm glad to have you guys back because uh, as we speak, February the 9th, the last issue of Edgeworld has now dropped on Comixology. And so I was eager to talk to you guys both about uh, the series because we talked, you know, after the first issue had come out and we had chatted about some of the intricacies of, you know, working in the guided view space and how to kind of tailor the, the story for Comixology. So now I'm curious to kind of talk about the series now that it's over. I guess one question is, um, you know, given how it ends, are we getting more? Yes. <laughs> See, I, I, am, I am the best with the words. Just yes, yet. exactly. Very succinct. <laughs> yes, there will be there will be more. I did do a, a series of uh, um, posts today on Instagram and Twitter and that kind of stuff to uh, alert everybody that the the last issue of our first arc was out today. Um, we're very proud of it. It's been a, it's been a great experience. Uh, but that there will be uh, more adventures to come. There'll be a little hiatus, but uh, yes, there will be more adventures to come for sure. Now, given that this was kind of done as, you know, of five, is it going to have a whole new title or is it going to continue the numbering or how would you you uh, handle that? The plan is for now to continue the numbering. So it'll be issue six as far as when it actually comes out because Pat's inking it himself. We'll I'm well. slow. <laughs> go ahead and say it <laughs> but awesome that's all oh, thank you. oh that's very nice that's very nice <laughs> so the plan is to yeah. keep keep the numbering consistent so you can kind of keep going from here right right yeah there'll be a, yeah there'll be a little break um as as we catch as i i catch up and um uh, but yeah we'll just continue on i mean there won't be a new title for the series the same numbering the same characters the whole thing so the, like uh we'll just continue on okay now one thing that i mean when you guys first launched it and you have the first issue and you got all the world building and you know you get to experience this this new world and i should i guess say that there will be spoilers that we'll talk about here um what has blown me away by the series is just um how strong an emotional reaction you get out of the reader because a lot of devastating things happen and they and they really work and they really do land because you build the characters and then when things happen to them you really get taken aback by it and again pat your artwork really you know sells it so that you 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 really do have kind of a lump in your throat like oh my god what now <laughs> well it's very i appreciate that it's very nice um and i i think that's what i think that's kind of what Chuck and I had in mind from the beginning is that we, we certainly created this, you know, uh, the science fiction Western uh, genre type story, but it was the emotional connection to the readers, both through the script and through the art, that I think really what drives us both as storytellers specifically is that if you can get the reader to care about the characters enough to have that reaction. And I, and I warms my heart that you've had that reaction. To have that reaction, and to say, "Oh my God, what happens next?" For you to care about the characters enough to care what happens to them, then we've done our job. Yeah, basically. And and Pat likes to see people suffer, so the more emotion we can draw out of somebody, you know, he's he's got that little twisted side to him. Hey, there you go. This, but, is a, uh, this is taking a dark turn. I didn't expect this. <laughs> It's pick on the pad day. You're living in the snow. <laughs> I guess so. I guy shoveling a walk, and now I'm the I'm a, I'm a dark guy. <laughs> One uh, thing I was but, uh, sorry. Go ahead, Charles. Oh, I was just going to say that. Um, I mean, one of the reasons that Pat and I loved working together 20 years ago and wanted to get back together over all of these years, that, you know, that we've been friends, is that 
we we both bring out in each other this same uh, kind of thing, the same process, the same uh, connection with the reader and that emotional stuff that we talked about. Uh, I'm I'm a that's what I like to write. That's what Pat loves to draw. Some of the acting scenes that he puts in, just the subtlety and the, the background stuff, is it's just it makes this the book so much stronger and more powerful. And it's just it's it's just pure joy for me to be able to work with him. And and I'm glad that it's hitting you the same way that we're you know that we're making that kind of a connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lump in the throat is is definitely the goal. The uh, the second issue impressed well not sorry it did impress me but one thing that surprised me and in a good way is how you guys didn't really waste time on slowly kind of peeling back the tragedy in Killian's backstory because you allude to it in the first issue and then you just kind of you 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 lay it right on the reader in the second issue and I I was impressed because I feel like there would be an tendency usually to kind of have that take a long time to kind of come to the forefront or have it be a, a different type of payoff. And I actually thought it worked better because we, you didn't waste time on kind of getting to that element. And it really does inform who that character is and how he deals with, you know, his, you know, him becoming a father figure later in the series or sorry. Yeah. Later in the, in the book um, plays off better because you get that right in the second issue with that great sequence that Pat drew, which again, to go back to the idea of using the guided view to its most fullest extent by Having the guided view and really experiencing it panel by panel, when you do get that moment of seeing, you know, the uh, the skeletons, it really hits hard. That's exactly what we were hoping for. That's, um, that's the, the it's the thing I like about guided view is it's very similar to the way we uh, pitch animation now, so that it's it's single image at a time, and you get those surprises back and that unexpected stuff that goes on in a story uh, catches people off guard, and that's so that's exactly what we were hoping for and why we wanted to do guided view so badly. So I'm glad it worked. That's awesome. Yeah, and I think that I think too the idea that we we moved through um, you know through Killian's backstory and. Uh, move some things ahead into the second issue that maybe some other books or, or projects, maybe they would have taken longer to tell that story. And it's really kind of amazing that <laughs> when you think about it, Chuck and I have been talking about this for like two years. I mean, Chuck's got like, I don't know, 20 scripts written or something. I mean, so <laughs> we have more information than we know what to do with. So it certainly would have um, lent, that would have lent itself to the idea that we would have just started to just um, uh, take our time in telling the longer story that would uh, coincide with all the scripts that Chuck has and all the stories that we have. But I think that it was incumbent on both of us to say we would like to think that Edge World will run forever. But we understand the market. We understand that it's a, you know, a science fiction western. It's not a superhero book. Um, that we do have a little bit of a tougher sell. So we don't want to wait. I mean, we want to make sure that that we give the readers a good story, a connecting to the characters. Um, but all those great things that, that we've come up with, all those great scripts that Chuck's has written, um, there's no point in waiting if, let's say, nobody ever looked at this thing and we only had the five issues and then we were done and we have all those stories that are wasted. Mm-hmm. So I think the idea was that we really wanted to say, okay, we have – built a larger world with larger stories that have long-term impacts but we really want to hit the ground running we want to make sure that the readers are involved quickly and get involved with the characters quickly so i think that was kind of a i think uh, i think chuck would agree i mean i think that was kind of what one of our conversations some of our conversations were early on 
that we just have to grab the we have to grab the readers as quick as we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a, it was definitely part of the conversation because I had written so many scripts and a lot of them are are just kind of one and done adventures and some of them don't even have anything to do or have that much to do with the central characters. They're more like old episodic television where the characters are sort of catalysts for the story, but they're really not the guest stars in that particular issue. And because we had all of that stuff available to us to sort of inform the world, we realized that, no, we kind of want to start off and kind of get into the meat and the bones of this uh, a lot faster and then drop, sprinkle some of those stories in as we go along, as opposed to making the entire series about those stories. So, so there, and there's so much that we wound up building because we've got the, the, the future story with the historian talking to the old psychic. And then we've got the, the, the what's more or less the present story with Killian and Sheila. And then there's the past story of Killian as a soldier in the war. Um, and because there's so much information in all of those time periods, we have there's plenty of surprises that are still coming. So <laughs> revealing a couple in the first few issues was was actually it worked both to our benefit, but it also helps to tease out the fact that there's a lot more stuff coming. And I'm sure you've seen if you've seen the issue now, you know that um, there are, Killian has a couple of flashbacks in there that are going to leave a lot of questions as to where things go. Sure. I, I think the and the big surprise, I mean, obviously you have that framing sequence, which as you go on, you almost forget it's there, but then you really tie it back in, in that fifth issue. And again, that was a, a surprise that I did not see coming. And it was, I mean, obviously like you knew something was going on here, but you didn't really know what it was. So I actually reread the entire series after reading that fifth issue, just to kind of see how the pieces and how you were alluding to things without us knowing it. And it really does hold together really well, because once you know what, you know what that kind of um, again. I'm trying not to spoil it per se, but once you know once once you know what the reveal is, um, it's really well written in that you allude to it so well that even if you didn't like if without knowing it, it still worked, but then knowing the subtext, it works so much better. Yeah, I, well, I'm I'm glad you picked up on it. I'm glad you. It, I'm glad it was worthwhile reading a second time. <laughs> uh, and but and you know to not to spoil too much, but there were we had a lot of conversations about this stuff where there were little scenes that we discussed. Well, we wanted to seed it earlier in the in the story and then have it pay off a little as we went along. And one of those is just something simple where Killian walks out and he goes, "Damn shoulder!" Like he's rubbing his shoulder. And <laughs> talked about that moment. And then in you know in the fifth issue, there's a l- little bit of a payoff that sort of explains what that little moment is about. Uh, but at the same time, laying seeds for something to be revealed in the future as to what exactly is going on in that moment that gets revealed. So, um, and I think it was, yeah, and I, and I think from, from a storytelling standpoint, it was really important to make sure that readers uh, left each issue uh, and then. The, you know, the first arc, feeling satisfied that they got a full story, that they yeah. got a journey with these characters, and that they didn't feel like um, what they got was a small chapter from a larger world. Um, and it's, it's basically, well, I, I guess we'll wait to see what happens in the next arc. But there is there is enough things, like Chuck said, that is seeded there that, that will pay off in, you know, in future issues. But my, our hope is that we have enough in there, beginning, middle, and end, that over that course of that five issues, the readers feel satisfied that they got a, a, a good story. Mm-hmm. 
What I like about, I mean, the way you guys have been approaching it as well, and again, I think this is the benefit of, you know, um, of anything that's kind of not Big Two related, is that, you know, everything is up for grabs and you never know who's going to live or die. And again, you guys are not precious with that because, you know, you get used to some of these characters. Like in the first issue, you get familiar with someone, they die. You get, you know, and it's like if you're around Killian, you might die. And but that's very, it's very dangerous. And but like it always takes me by surprise because you get used to the character and like, oh, now they're dead. Oh, crap. <laughs> like, you know, you know, whenever someone new is talking to Killian, I'm kind of like, well, are they going to die next? <laughs> like, but but it, there's just something so fresh about, again, because, you know, a lot of us are used to reading big two comics and there's this there's kind of a limited sense of actual stakes, whereas this is something that's true about anything that's kind of the not big two is that there are you you're able to take your reader by surprise because there isn't that same level of preciousness everyone is on the table and everyone could be taken off yeah and that was a big part of what we wanted pat and i had a pretty long conversation about that and and i don't think he expected me to do it in the first issue <laughs> he, he, he got to the, he got to the end of the script for the first issue and he was like what <laughs> so but, yeah, that was what we wanted. We wanted, you know, this is not the kind of world where, you know, two years down the road, somebody's going to retcon a character back to life. I mean, these characters are dead. Right. And uh, so the uh, we wanted that, that sense of jeopardy was possible for any character, anybody in the story. And and the great thing about what Pat has done with me is that we've I'm, – I'm really proud of kind of the richness of even some of the secondary characters. And so at any point, they can they can step forward and become a, a, a supporting character or a leading character. We had mentioned Jasper as a as just a, an off-screen character in the first episode as somebody who kind of handles dead bodies. And then, um, and then in the third issue, is it the third issue or the fourth issue when he finally actually shows up? I think it's the, the fourth. Yeah. yeah. So, so we, we, we got a chance to sort of play with all of these characters that started off as secondary characters and then move into the foreground. And then, you know, it's like you said, it, the kind of hope is that there is always that little frisson of, of danger and edge to it that, like, this could really go wrong if we set up stakes. Um, the audience is going to be on the edge of their seat, wondering what's going to happen next and who is going to survive. So, mm-hmm. and I think Glad Adam, Adam I, and I, Adam, I think you made an excellent. And that's a great point. That's really something I hadn't really thought about before until you mentioned it. The idea that all of us, being you know, people that, are, that all of us that are comics fans have grown up reading Marvel and DC comics, and, and there is a, um, you know. There is a preciousness to the characters. I mean, these these characters have been around for decades. They're going to stay around. I mean, of course, they try to kill them. Since even when they kill certain characters, there's the immediate feeling is that well, they're going to bring them back at some point. And that is some that speaks to the freedom that you have when you work on a creator-owned project that you are basically steering the ship. And there isn't any preconceived notions about these characters. There isn't any preconceived notions about where the story is heading. And there's a lot of freedom to that, which is really gratifying. For sure. Now, I want to go back, if you if you would indulge me a little bit, um, in a little bit of little by issue by issue. Um, I was interested by issue two, again, speaking to the idea of both of you working so well at creating these you know, secondary characters, even like third-level characters, and making you, as a reader, still want to know more about them. Like even the brief flashback um, to, you know, before... Um, 
what was it, uh, the SMAP that kind of decimates Pala. Um, when you have Fields, the other, you know, kind of army character, I want to know what happened to him. Like, you know, because him, <laughs> him and Killian have that great kind of exchange and how, you know, Killian goes off to, you know, obviously save, um, you know, uh, the love of his life. And, you know, you have Fields trying to save everyone else. And even he says, you know, I guess we're both more Palin than human now. Like, I want to see more about that guy. And he's literally in like a page or two. But there's just something about how you guys, again, I like the exchange between him and Killian because it's so different from the Killian we see, obviously, in the, you know, the kind of the current timeline. So seeing a younger version of him kind of having this camaraderie with someone was really interesting. And I kind of wanted to see more of that. And again, to, to Pat's, you know, uh, perspective, um, I love just the, the way that, that he kind of made the character look. Like, there's just something about that character and how even the, the physical body language with him and Killian, I wanted to see more of them and them being friends. And maybe we'll get that at some point. But again, you guys did a good job. Even the side character who doesn't even have, you know, uh, a part to play in the current timeline. I still wanted to know more about this guy. And he was in two pages. <laughs> well, thanks. That's awesome. Because that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's what we're hoping for. And, and we definitely put we put a lot of energy into those secondary characters. In fact, I had a uh, I had written a sort of an offhand side character that was the bartender and uh, uh, Pat sends me this drawing of this just weird looking alien dude with these huge sort of almost bug like eyes and I thought and I, I think I named him something I don't know like Fred or whatever and, <laughs> and I looked at him, I go no that's not a Fred that's not that's, that's like what, who is that what is that character's name and so so then you come up with a name for the character and you start thinking of a backstory and how they wound up there as the bartender and so <laughs> we get excited about this stuff too and and I'm glad that some of that stuff is coming through Fields is Fields does have a, a much bigger story uh, in fact there's a, a, a big splash page almost as well it's not really it, it guided you it's not as much as a splash page but there's a large image where their Killian is fighting in the war with hmm. some of his old comrades and Dodge is there and, and Fields is there so there there's more stories to be told uh, but I don't want to spoil anything about you know what those <laughs> stories are but I'm glad you enjoyed those characters I guess because God I want to write stories about them all that's why I, that's why I get 20 scripts you know Pat's like Chuck stop sending me scripts it's like I got, I got enough to work on as we established before I'm slow <laughs> so i we've talked before pat about you know obviously you have you, you have great character acting in your pencils so i'm curious about um obviously the big pivotal moment in the second issue is when you see um uh now i'm forgetting her name so i apologize but uh the the, the love of killian's life um when you see her Shashisa, I guess, or Shashessa. Um how what was the back and forth with you guys like about how you were going to show her get decimated basically in front of Killian in a way that was going to make sense to the characters. Like it's very, I, I liked it because he's completely protected because of, you know, this, um, this safety protocol that kind of goes over and envelops his body. It was such an interesting idea of being able, having him still be in there, like right there when it occurs, but not being really subject to the damage per se. What was the back and forth with you guys like about how to achieve this moment? Well, we had, I mean, I, well, I don't even want to take that one, Pat. That was Chuck. Was all Chuck. <laughs> no, really. I mean, it, it, to be honest, that was. And I. And this is one of the things I like. That's why I love working with Chuck so much. Is that you know, the, you know, these scenes. So that was that was in the script. I mean, is that idea that he is how it came about? I mean, I got to throw in my two cents about the fact that it was his. The, you know, the armor that he was wearing 
suddenly you know will expand and and encapsulate him as a protection as a protection a protective armor shell um but the idea of the fact that um there would be this moment which i thought was so great when i read it in the script that there would be this moment as he is running to save uh, uh the, the the woman that he loves um that there would be that moment where it was a great idea that he would then, like you said, he would be protected by his armor, which prevented him from saving the, the uh, Sashesha. And, um, but also he had, he had to watch it. I mean, he, he was encapsulated, he was protected, but there was nothing he could do to save her. Um, that was a, an incredible scene. I mean, and that was obviously, I mean, I just had to make sure I didn't screw it up. I mean, it's basically what it came down to. <laughs> But it, but then you know, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking of it as in, in one way or another, and then Pat sends it, and and it's just this great moment where the the, the S map impacts in the background, and then it just the, you see the destruction gradually moving across the landscape, mm-hmm. ripping up the house, and then they just sort of she grabs her daughter and they just vanish, and uh, and it was just it's one of those things where uh, it's one of the reasons why I love working with Pat because. I give him something that in my head seems pretty cool, and then I get it back, and it's like, oh my god, this is even better than I thought it was going to be. So I feel really, I feel really excited. I mean, he's excited to get the scripts when, and read them. I'm excited to see the artwork and and uh, uh, and all of the stuff that he adds into it. I mean, some, we've, I think he's talked to you before about some of his favorite scenes, and there are just even some of the simplest things like when Maggie is comes up to him and is talking to him about her husband missing in the sand and mm-hmm. she's just got this sort of nervous twitchy behavior as she's looking around and she's <laughs> that he's alive Kilney doesn't want to tell her that I think he's sleeping with the hooker at the bar and, <laughs> um, um, so it's just it's so I mean it's just every step for me is like it's just it gets better and better and then uh, uh, and even even without having all of the like Pat does when he's working with with other people, he does these amazing like page layouts, broken panel borders and stuff. But he's working in a very restricted way so that we can get this guided view thing going. And it's just in a lot of ways, it's just even more impactful. It's just so powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's such. A, I know it's a mutual admiration society here, but we love each other. <laughs> <laughs> So I have a question for you, Pat. So about about that sequence. So as he was yes. mentioning, you have the, you know the effect kind of racing towards the reader, and you have Shasta in front of it. Um, you know, you it's very haunting because again you have her kind of looking back, but then the last thing we see of her is just looking straight at Killian, which is kind of all the sadder, and again kind of holding her daughter so that she can't see what's coming. Um, right? Did you? I mean, just from a, a choice perspective, did you ever have the thought of just having her? turned away and just kind of looking at it in horror or is there something more about having it be the last thing that she sees is Killian when she dies well yeah and I think that might have and I think that was kind of how it was angled in the script as well I thought in terms of how Chuck described it but I thought that from from a from a character standpoint that really um, as tragic as it is to see this giant shock wave coming at her knowing that this was she was going to die. I thought the scene was less about what was coming at her and more about the man that she loved, who she will now be leaving. Um, so the idea of, does she turn around in horror? Um, 
at the you know at this shockwave coming at her, or does she look at Killian? I think the more impactful choice is to look at Killian, mm. and because that really is what the scene is about, and that really is you know Killian is our protagonist. He's, so that really connects more toward more to his character uh, to show that he loved her, she loved him. Um, so to have her turn towards him, I think was I think was probably the right emotional step to do. So, mm. um, so yeah, I think yeah, I, I I think that was that's kind of probably why Chuck wrote it that way. I think it's why I drew it that way. Is that, that that's just kind of the the emotional drive of that scene. I think it's interesting looking back at the first issue too, Pat, because I mean, obviously, like when you first meet that character, you don't you you see the necklace, but you don't really maybe think a lot about it. But obviously that ends up being such a defining thing because that's how yep. he knows it's her later. So again, it's a n- nice little visual touch that um, it, it was there in the characters from the beginning, but obviously it ends up making such a huge difference later because of that's how he's able to know who it is. Right. Right. And that was Chuck. Yeah. I mean, Chuck put it in the script that knowing that this was, the scene was going to come later. Uh, you know, I said, you know, wearing a very distinctive necklace, so basically, like, look, you idiot! Make sure that people <laughs> they can rec- they can recognize this. So, uh, yeah, so that yeah, it, it does play a big role. So it's a, it's a nice touch. Well, that was I. It's funny. I actually I, I made a big deal out of describing it as a very distinctive necklace because I had written a, a, a little one page scene where he gives her the necklace, and um, I mean, I'm I'm always overwriting these scripts. So Pat is winding you know winds up doing, you know 34 pages of art <laughs> for each issue. Um, but uh, the but I I want so to get it down to a more reasonable length so that we could actually make make deadlines. Um, I cut the scene out, and it also felt it felt like one of those moments like I'm giving you this lovely necklace because it's going to pay off later in the story. Mm. And I thought if I, it, it just felt like it was selling the idea too much, so I took that scene out, and that's why I sort of over described the, the look of it. But I'm glad you picked up on that because yeah, that was that was obviously yeah. very important. Yeah. I guess you're right. Otherwise, it would look like you were giving yourself, the writer, a gift for later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. And uh, I try to I try to avoid those kinds of you know uh, I guess storytelling cliches if I can. And um, I think like anybody, we sometimes fall back on those crutches. But I think I was wise to pull that page out. <laughs> well, it's it's funny you mention it too because like I just kind of assumed that it was like a Palin thing, right? Whereas if it had been a gift. It maybe it would have like if I had known it was a gift or if that had been in the script um, that we ended up getting as in the finished product, maybe it would have changed how we viewed it because I just kind of assumed it was more of a kind of a you know a traditional Palin thing, and then again, kind of speaks to more of finding her there, her skeleton, and again this kind of remnant of old Pela. Um, so I think you know it almost works better with the omission. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that. It was well actually I planned it that way. I was that's, <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice touch. <laughs> Um, uh, so Pat, well, I, what, when Killian watches Shasessa die, so what part of what makes that moment work, obviously, is is the pain look in his face, and then again the tears as well, because again that's not a, a facet of the character that up to this point that we're used to seeing, because we're used to seeing kind of more the the hard bitten version of Killian in the present timeline. So how did, did did it take a while to kind of get that to look right? Because obviously that you really have to sell that in order for it all to work. It it did, and, and there are um, because. As as strange, I don't know. I mean, as strange from a storytelling standpoint as it may sound, that, that you know you can have there's a difference between somebody who looks upset versus somebody who looks upset 
with tears welling in their eyes or serious, somebody looks upset with tears streaming down their face. That's all three different emotions. So, you know, it, it was, I did have to think about that as to how much, um, you know, uh, how devastated was he, the tears. and that. So, yeah, that, that was a storytelling um, decision in terms of trying to get the right look on his face to, to make sure that it sells his reaction. So, yeah, that was part of it. Now, Chuck, I have a question from a script uh, perspective. Um, have you started telling people in your life that you love them more than the, all the stars and all the skies and all, all the worlds? <laughs> well, that, that is actually uh, something that my son and I used to say to each other when he was really little. Uh, he used to, we used to try to make up things that were immense uh, <laughs> that, you know, that you could duplicate. I didn't know that. Wanted- yeah, oh, I didn't tell we didn't we ever talk about this? Yeah, no, it was, uh, awesome. So at one point, at one point, he said to me, "I love you more than all the sand on all the planets and all the worlds," and and it just it really touched me, and it, so I've always remembered it. So I gave that line uh, to the. I had them doing that same one-upsmanship kind of thing with each other that Kane and I used to do when he was a kid. When he was little. Oh, that's nice. Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah so nice. It's kind of like your own "I love you 3000 that you snuck in. Exactly. <laughs> well, that, that's really nice because yeah, I I, I I love the line, but I was curious, you know, kind of where it came from, and I was obviously making a little bit of fun there, but like that's a really uh, heartfelt kind of origin of that saying. Yeah, I, cool. I, I should. I, I could have put a little. I could I could have put that in the backstory in the trade or something. <laughs> I guess. But uh, but yeah, that was actually that was that's actually how that one came about. Cool. Now, jumping ahead, so, I mean, obviously you mentioned that, you know, we are going to get a trade paperback version of this, which will be the first time it's in physical print. Um, so when do we have any kind of dates and when we might be able to get that? Or uh, the, the, I'm sorry, the trade? Yeah, the yeah. trade, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, it's, I mean, it's being packaged up right now. We're, we're, it should be delivered, I think, by this Friday. And I don't know how long it takes for Comixology to get it out after that, but um, uh, or Dark Horse or whoever it is that's actually taking care of that process. So, But I know they want to get it out fairly quickly. The response has been really good in digital, and a lot of people are waiting around to, uh, for the trade because they don't read digital comics. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that so was kind we, of the reaction that I was having. I was getting some of that reaction on social media when I was posting about the final issue. Uh, people were asking, again, about when this would be coming out. Uh, as a trade, so there there definitely are people that are interested and are kind of are waiting for the trade to come out. I know Dark Horse. I guess Dark Horse has that deal with Comicsology that they're going to be producing the trade. Hmm. Um, and like Chuck said, we were just reviewing it today, uh, so I would think that it would be fairly soon. So uh, we'll uh, we'll let everybody know as soon as we have some dates. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jody, our, our letter designer, packager. Um, Jody Wynn is doing uh, just putting all that stuff together and just keep putting on the finishing touches. Uh, she's awesome. Different. She is amazing. She is absolutely amazing. Yeah, she came up with the. She did the logo. She did the the, the design style for the covers. You know, she gave us like fifteen different fonts to decide <laughs> from. Oh, wow. Figuring out who yeah. wanted to letter it. I mean, she's just she's just incredible. Uh, and, and I think and I think that's a that's a good moment to kind of now that we've wrapped up the first arc. Uh, to kind of jump in and really uh, a huge thank you to um, not only Jody who we've just talked about she's amazing I mean Lee has done an amazing job 
setting the atmosphere and tone uh, in the colors for our for the series. He's done a, a fantastic job. Biz Stringer Horn, who is the editor, um, she's been uh, great to work with. Um, having you know, uh, having her input, I know for Chuck has been great. Uh, yeah. So I think he and I, when we were knocking around this idea, and you know, uh, it was just the two of us. And then um, Comicsology uh, was interested, um, um, and suddenly we had an actual project. We start we used, used, we start bringing in other people into the process, and we got very lucky. We got very fortunate that Biz and Jody and Lee uh, have been great to work with. They they get what we were trying to do, um, um, and we've been so yeah we've been extraordinarily lucky with uh, with the team that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's been incredible, and and Comicsology has been great. Chip has been so supportive. Yep, yep. he sends us an email every time the new issue comes out. Sent us one today. Great, you know, it's always like two words or one word. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, Chuck, I mean, in a broader sense, I mean, obviously, you hadn't really been in the comics game for a while. So, what was, what did you find the reaction to be um, for you know now that you've had the all five issues? to your kind of return to the comic book landscape. Because, I mean, again, like, you know, Pat's never left in a nice way, Pat. Um, like, Pat, Pat's, Pat's been consistently working and, and, you know, people have been enjoying his work. But you were definitely out of the game for a while, obviously doing other projects and other mediums. So now you're back. So how, how did you feel about the reception to your return? Uh, it, honestly, it was sort of surprising. Um, I was not – because, I mean, you know, there are still, still – issues about my run on x-men or whatever so um i did i had no idea what the reception was going to be like but it's been extremely positive and and actually really really kind and supportive and and uh better way better i think than either pat or i expected this was this was just supposed to be something that we were doing for fun for ourselves um we didn't we didn't want to do we really wanted to do something Together that was that we would be really proud of that we would finally feel like we had had a hand in creating and and um, you know bringing completely to life on our own and so it, there was never any thought I think about making a lot of money or selling it any uh, anywhere we just wanted to do it and um, and so the response has been really gratifying it's been terrific people really really seem to enjoy it a lot there's a lot of new readers that had never heard of me before that are actually getting into it and. Um, I think largely because of Pat, because he's so famous. So, uh, <laughs> oh my God. It, brings, it brings in the fans. Yeah, the, the, the check is in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's been great. I, I, I never would have come back if Pat had come, you know, and asked me to do this. You're crawling on my hands and knees, God, come back and work with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm glad you did, man. I'm yeah, me too. I, I, I got to say. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump back to issue three, um, and I, I apologize if I go a little granular at times. I'm just it's always exciting to be able to talk to someone, you know, especially when you have both the writer and the artist at the same time. So please indulge me a little bit more. Sure, sure, of course. Um, so I, I love the character of Chaka, but it was obviously very heartbreaking because again, you get connected <laughs> to this character, and really bad stuff happens. Um, and so, like, did you always kind of know you were going to do this with Chaka? And this was obviously like when you're reading it the first time, you don't realize maybe how important this is to the overall story that you're obviously telling. But this is you know very integral, and at the time, it just you know you don't know that you don't know, right? Um, so. What 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 made you what made you do this to poor Chaka? Like, I'm, 
Like you said, well, Pat was the mean one, but really, I mean, you're the one putting the words down. Exactly. See, See? Uh, I, I am evil. I do have that evil side. <laughs> uh, well, interestingly, this was actually the first script that I wrote uh, when Pat and I were first. Pat, I first started talking about it. It was I had this kind of vague notion of what I wanted to do, and he and I started batting ideas back and forth. And, and I realized, you know what, this could actually be really fun. And, uh, but I, I kind of need to know what the what the the world would be like and how the characters interact with each other so this was a very first story i wrote so um that it was always the plan that um, this is where chaka would wind up um but uh but what happened is that as we continue to work on it and come up with you know i kept writing scripts and there was some question about whether we should start the story a little bit earlier and give some of Killian's backstory so that we understood this relationship that was going to develop between him and Sheila as a, as a kind of stepdaughter. And, uh, um, and so we, uh, we took a couple of later scripts. This is where biz came in, uh, handy. She was cool. Awesome with this is that she, she read through all of these scripts that I'd written and we, Pat and I and her sat kind of a, you know, a virtual uh, triangle and just started talking about what order they should go in and, you know, move this script here, try this script there. And Sand, we decided, was the one that we should start off with to kind of give some of Killian's history and why he would be interested even in in uh, having a relationship with Chila where she eventually becomes this kind of deputy. And uh, um, so, so we knew we would kind of lead into that. We didn't quite realize that we were all going to fall in love with Chaka as much as we did because we all liked the character, and particularly because he's... Killian's oldest friend on the planet, and um, mm-hmm. once he arrived, Chaka formed a, an early friendship, and they went through the war together, and and you know they were helpful and supportive of each other all the way along. So it, it's uh, it's a pretty, it, but it, it, but some of that potency got lost when it was the very first story. So obviously it helped kind of put it in the third the third slot. Um, hmm. I don't know. Did I answer your question? No, you did. You, you did. Now. Pat, I have a question for you. So, in at the beginning of episode, uh, sorry, episode issue three, when you have them going to that general store, so there's only one panel, but I have to ask about this, Pat. You have the uh, the clerk at the general store has treads for legs, <laughs> like he's. Do <laughs> you say treads? <laughs> yeah, like he's got like it looks like he's got like gears, like you know he looks like yes. one of the members of the Reavers almost. Like, and I looked at that, I'm like, what? <laughs> Like, yeah. like it doesn't add anything. It's just this crazy visual detail, which I'm like, well, that that's just Pat having fun because I mean, it doesn't doesn't yeah. pay off anywhere yet, at least. And I'm oh. just like, wow, that's well, again a great <laughs> attention to detail. <laughs> well, it, and it's those kinds of things where um, this is the this is the benefit of world building. This is the benefit of um, you know, none of this existed before Chuck and I created it. And that's the fun part of doing something that's, um, you know, that you create yourself, that you, the world that you build yourself. So there's a, there's a, every Western should have a a general store and the proprietor of the general store, um, was just somebody that I, like you said, I was just having fun with. I mean, it was just this kind of weird dude, um, that yeah, I mean he's got uh, you know he's got four arms and a mustache and he part of him is mechanical, so his body comes down and it goes into. I could explain. <laughs> How much time do you have? I could explain the whole thing, but you don't have that kind of time. So yeah, basically yeah. So yeah, I just came up with this guy that and yeah, he's got uh, 
um, that's how he gets around is that he is he's got this mechanical uh, uh, lower part which is treads that he can wheel around the store and get where he needs to go and it actually not that anyone asked but it can uh, extend up so that he could get things to higher shelves and that kind of stuff but that just shows that I've been thinking about this too much <laughs> and that's you know, it's really funny because uh, Pat and I are we're working on this stuff um, he'll send me emails and start asking me questions about well what do you think about this and how about this guy you, you know if he reached reach the high shelves don't you think that he should have like an extendable body or something <laughs> like, dude, dude he's in two panels <laughs> See, it's, I, it, it's funny, Pat, because I've, I've talked enough with Ron Friends, and he does the same thing. Like, he has so oh, yeah. So I feel like you guys are way too similar to each other. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, there are, yeah, we, we've known each other a long time, and uh, yeah, there are some definite similarities. And that's one of the things that I think, you know, guys like Ron, guys like myself, I mean, there is... Um, there is an excitement to draw adventures of these characters. And there's an excitement to draw, in, in this particular case, a brand new world that uh, uh, that you have some you know visual say in the creation of. Um, but there is so much of what we do as comics artists, and a guy like Ron is the same way, um, that is primarily storytelling. I mean, that's it. I mean, that is when I occasionally, well, I'll talks to a local college in their illustration department and they'll talk about graphic novels and comics and and, um, and that's one of the tell- things I tell the students too is that you have to act the character I mean that's it I mean I understand that it, you can draw some really cool scenes and these big explosions and all that kind of stuff but none of it means anything unless you can act the character and that is basically Ron does it it's something that I like to do I mean that's that's basically why it's kind of like basically that's why we're that's why we're doing this. That's why this is why we're in this yeah. crazy business. So yeah, it's a, that that kind of acting is important. Now something about issue three that again it really strikes me because it's so interesting again how you guys can you know take these characters that maybe we shouldn't even like but you again you find a nugget that you kind of get invested in them anyway so the guy who ends up you know kind of <laughs> destroying Chaka's children for and you know the the look of horror that Pat puts on his eye you know on his face and at the end of the issue when you know we have him looking up you know how to care and feed for this you know this newborn baby showing that he does have some level of remorse even though you know he did something heinous. Um, you only care because, again, the writing is so good, but also the the acting that you, that you're talking about, Pat, is so strong that this some this person did something that was heinous, not realizing what they were doing, obviously. But you just visually you understand that that person is horrified and does feel bad. Yeah, and I think that that was, um, and a lot of that came through. I mean, that's you know, and that's what I loved about the that's the issue three. I mean, I love them all. Issue three is one of my favorite issues. And a lot of it has to do with that the character that you're describing is established in the script from you know, the Chuck established him as kind of this reprehensible figure in the beginning. And there's that great scene later on that Chuck writes where there's an interaction between the other bad guy in this and the you know I don't want to give too much away, but the, the, the you know the, the the guy that 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 is uh, is the focus of our current conversation. Let's say. <laughs> uh, so well done. There's a scene. There's a scene <laughs> There's a scene uh, with those two characters that initially those two characters, as Chuck wrote them, were the bad guys. Later on, there's a scene with the two of them in the cabin where suddenly – now there's only one bad guy. The other one 
has remorse. He seems uncomfortable with the decisions that he's made. He's ruminating on what's happened. The other guy's basically telling him to get over it. But now, just in that scene, Chuck's established a humanity to this guy, which is just, in a very short space of time, I thought that was great. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was great, um, it was a great turn for those characters. No, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and I agree with you, Pat draws the hell out of these things. In fact, one of Chip's emails to me was that page, that realization page that you were just talking about. And Chip sent just an email, greatest comics page ever. <laughs> <laughs> no. And what helped, make it, what helped make it great, too, was, the, was Lee's colors for oh, establishing okay. the inside of the cabin. Hmm. And then when there's that hole in the wall, and you can see outside, and you've got the blues of the evening and everything. He just he just nailed it. For sure. Now, it's interesting how many, I mean, I guess there's at least three issues where you have a really good shot of Killian holding his gun at someone. So obviously it's, it's one of your favorite things to draw. Um, but it's, again, is there something about how the guided view really makes that whole sequence, like when he's got the gun on Chaka and he's, you know, explaining again that I'm the magistrate, I'm judge, jury, and executioner. And it's just the, the fact that you have the guided view to kind of walk you through that really makes it all the more impactful because you're like, is he really going to do this? And then, right. you, and then you have you know Sheila showing showing up and being like you can't kill him, and then he tries to kind of run, and then you know he he kills him. It is just horrifying. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's what we were going for. Uh, and yeah, that that defines the relationship between Gillian and Sheila. So it's uh, um, it, and it, it's a huge turning point in the relationship. So. Um, I'm I'm glad it hit you. I'm glad it hit you that way. I really, you know, I'm, I'm sorry it hurt. But it, hit you, but it, it hit you that way. <laughs> no, I mean, not not meant as a spoiler, but we'll get more kind of uh, past stories of Chaka because again, there's you build up this beautiful you know friendship between them, and the fact that you do see, as you said before, Chaka, you know, there before Killian's, you know beloved dies like obviously he was there for one of the roughest moments of his life so you know will we get to see more of Chaka in these kind of flashbacks yes yes we will um you know part of that is because now if you know if you've read the fifth issue right mm-hmm. so you you kind of know what the the potential revealed spoiler is that um so because of that connection obviously Chaka becomes more important in some of the memories again. So, so there, and, and one of the reasons that we, we created the framing device with the, the historian and the, the old psychic is that we wanted to be able to tell stories out of order. So if we wanted to go back and tell a story about the war, um, or the, you know, start the, the run up to the war or the first time that he meets the Sashessa, see, I can't even say my own name. The, if we want to, and, and I've got stories and some of, in some cases scripts for all of those. Like, uh, like there's uh, um, the the um, the Sashessa's daughter um, uh, has a scar on her face, and that has something to do with how um, Jillian, uh, Killian winds up becoming uh, getting involved in a in, in a relationship with the mother in the first place. And so there's all of these little seeds again that are getting planted that will pay off eventually. Um, I, I have no idea when we'll get to them all. <laughs> uh, but yes, the answer is yes. At some point, Chaka plays a, a pretty big role in, in some upcoming storylines that, so we'll need to see his history and his relationship with Killian, especially during the war. Now, Pat, lead up to the, 
Pat, what kind of design, like when we look at, we talk about design work and obviously, you know, the psychic, especially by the end is, you know, going to play a lot bigger, maybe role than we realized at the beginning, than a reader realized at the beginning. So how much fun did you have with the psychic? Because I mean, in the first that couple of issues, there's just some of the facial work you had with her when she was kind of mocking the historian and like, you know, it, there's just so much in there. So what was it like to kind of play with that? And then also getting to see Lee color it the way he did, because it's such a unique color palette that sets it apart from the rest of the book. I mean, she was a lot of fun to draw and to act with, and uh, again, that that starts in the scripts. I mean, uh, he, Chuck had written her in such a kind of this playful, mocking kind of a way, um, clearly knowing more than um, than she's letting on. Um, but she was, yeah. I mean, just getting to play with that face, getting designed. Uh, you know, I thought of her as this kind of obviously this mystic shaman kind of uh, character. So we have some of the robes and the and the jewelry around her neck, kind of thing, and then yeah, and that's the thing that Lee does so well is that when you look through the issues, and and this, um, and maybe this will even be more impactful in the trade, um, his ability to pick a palette that defines a scene, defines a location, um, has been really great. Um, so I, I loved what he did. I mean, it, 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 you're exactly right. So it separates it from the rest of the uh, the rest of the scenes the rest of the story so that when you're in that room when you're in those scenes it has its own specific color palette um, yeah he, I mean he did a great he just did an absolute great job with it now something I don't think I'd noticed until now and obviously given the fifth issue and again slightly spoilery is the use of the color the use <laughs> I of the, think we crossed that line a little while ago well <laughs> yeah but I'm trying not to give away everything I do want people to read no, the book because no, it's because it's, it's such a great book but um, one thing that I again wasn't maybe evident to me before but going back is interesting is that the lighting for those sequences with the psychic um, because of it being this glow you kind of don't know the color of the historian <laughs> Which, yeah, and I appreciated right. that, what he did, yeah. Like, it's so yep. clever, and, like, I mean, I, like, was he aware of that kind of in advance to kind of kind of cloak that? Because you don't really, it's not as noticeable as it is for every other character because the lighting is always in a bigger contrast to the color. Whereas here, because of the way that you have these this warm glow, it kind of offsets it so you don't really notice it. And, again, was that always kind of baked in? Like, was that really clear up front? Or I'm just really curious because, obviously, it's such a great reveal, and you realize it, and you go back, like, Oh, I don't even know if I noticed this before. Yeah, I think that had to do with, I mean, the, the historian's color, I did a color sketch for him, and so that was established right off the bat. So that was Lee's ability to play with the internal uh, uh, lighting of the scene. Um, and because, you're right, because there was the glow of the fireplace, kind of the light playing on the face of, of the historian, um, that it did kind of, it was a little ambiguous at times as to what his skin color would be. I don't think that was a real, I don't think Lee and I had a specific conversation about, yeah, we want to make sure that this is a little ambiguous to start uh, for, to, to aid the reveal at the end. I think we were just, uh, it just was, we're fortunate that it worked that way. Like, like I didn't even think it had, like it mattered. Like, you know, it would never have dawned on me that it would make a difference or that it'd be something to right. look for, right? And so then when right, you get to right. the end and when you read it again, you're like, oh. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Exactly. I'm glad it has multiple read value. That's yes. that actually makes me very happy. Yep. 
Well, and again, it's part of because you see things so well, right? Because that, and again, it goes to the fact that you've built this world, both of you, and you've written a lot of scripts, Chuck. So you know all, all these different things, and so the fact that you know certain elements kind of sneak through or they come up, yeah. I mean, it's easy to kind of go back and start to see things you didn't see before because you know this entire world, and you're able to kind of very nicely see things in because you have such a, a rich kind of foundation for the world. Yeah, well, thanks. I, I, I appreciate the, that you, you picked up on that. And I know sometimes it's, it, uh, it makes Pat a little crazy because I'll be talking about things that he doesn't he hasn't heard yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it, but when when we talk about this stuff, the great thing, the other great thing, there's so many great things. There's like a list of great things um, about working with Pat is that when when I come up with this stuff, he'll he'll give me thoughts and ideas and push me in another direction or maybe think of something else or he'll add something in that I wasn't expecting and and it'll it'll add a, a story beat or a story point to the to the overall arc that I wasn't expecting so um, it's it, it's very very collaborative and and at the same time fun and surprising for us at the same time because as we're seeding stuff in we we think of things or figure out stuff that can just add depth and, and realism to the world and um, and we're having it's just, it's just fun. I'm glad other people are picking up on it too. The um, exactly. this the, in the sequence in the fourth issue, which felt like a sequence where it didn't necessarily need to be there, but it was it was a way of you guys being able to have exposition, but add in a storytelling component that made it more visual. Was the uh, the decontamination scene, uh, which is oh, yeah. because like <laughs> like it's just them going back and forth, and literally it doesn't really need to be there, but it's visually arresting because obviously Lee has some great colors here. It's funny as hell because you know she just wants him to be there, and it's like they're done, but she's just gonna let him stand there in the in the nude. And then you follow it up in the next page with him having to walk through, you know, to walk through the streets naked, which he's the magistrate, so no one's going to fuck with him. Sorry about language, but right. but it's just so it's such a those two pages are so funny. <laughs> and that's and that's yeah, and that was uh, I, I laughed out loud when I read it in the, in the script, and uh, um, I, I was like I said, it was my job not to screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> like Chuck, did you ever think you'd be writing a comic book and a character would ever say, "Hey, I'm old and ugly. Got to get my jollies where I can." <laughs> <laughs> the answer is probably yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I have a basic, I have a little uh, notebook of weird phrases and sayings that I just I'm longing to throw into books somewhere. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I guess we're I, I guess we're all glad it, it showed up here and not in X Men. <laughs> yes, I think everybody's glad it didn't show up at X Men. Yeah. Well uh, done, well done. Um, nice, so, <laughs> um, yeah, no, Pat and I. I mean, one of the things that Pat and I both enjoy about each other is that we can both we we can do the drama stuff, we can do the dark stuff, and then we can we can have the comedy in there that makes people laugh. Uh, I still get people, you know, sending me little moments about, hey, I finally read the first issue. Uh, his pants. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, well, so I hear that you know it's just re- it's nice that everybody's responding to both sides of, of what we're doing. You know, the, the break your heart and the laugh out loud stuff as well. Is there something? I mean, do you just like Killian being as naked as possible? <laughs> I like everybody being as naked as possible at all times. Uh, it was originally called Naked World. <laughs> but I said it was, it was a line that went cross when Chuck said that I had to work naked. I said no, no. <laughs> No, 
Um, still on issue four for a second. There's a, a great moment, Pat, where you have, and again, it's such a great script because you have them um, talking about you know what's going to happen with the bodies, and you have Sheila just being like, they don't bury, bury poor people, they burn them. And then this look that she gives uh, Killian when she's like, that's what they did to my father after you killed him. Just the shadows of the hat yeah. over the eyes, just framing it, and it's just these dead eyes looking at him. And then this look on his face afterwards is just so sorrowful, is so well done. Well, thank you. Thank you. That was, yeah, I mean, and that's what we talked before about, you know, acting the scene, and that is what uh, has been really uh, a lot of fun to work on this project, uh, work with Chuck, is that there you get those kinds of emotional beats um, that um, are not sacrificed for action. Um, they are important to the story. And it was like we talked about earlier, is that if you can get the reader to care about these characters, then you've done your job. So the fifth issue, which I, I'm going to try not to, I mean, we spoiled a lot already, but we haven't been, gone too in-depth on spoilers, so I'm not going to go too in-depth because it just literally came out today. But um, first of all, just from a cover perspective, it's such a, a haunting cover in comparison with the first four, which had like more action and more kind of stuff going on. But this one was much more kind of a tragic look with uh, Killian and Sheila. So what kind of went into making this the look for the fifth issue? Well, I think that... Um there, we had gone through a, 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 a couple different ideas as far as cover designs were concerned. And the first series of ideas was a much more graphic approach. Um, and this final cover was part of that uh, original series of designs. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, we, we, tended, we kind of moved away from that and came up with some alternatives for the other four covers. But given the nature of the fifth issue story... Um, what, what what was going on in the story, the relationship between these two characters, and the fact that it was the final issue of the first arc? Um, this kind of this this much more graphic approach, uh, with just the two characters holding each other, um, um, I think that that one um, was so perfect for this final issue that it survived that first you know series of. Uh, edits and changes and and, and uh, that that image I think was was I think everybody was on board for that image to be the first the, the 50, 50 issue cover from the from the very beginning so it, it was just um, wanted something that was uh, kind of arresting kind of um, if this is possible and arresting in a quiet way I don't mm-hmm. know if that's possible but if we wanted if we wanted something to have an impact and really focus on those two characters because of what happens in the fifth issue. It's interesting because, I mean, you, I mean, obviously this is, you know, it's a digital original, so you don't have the single issues on the stands, but this feels like the type of cover that would really jump out at you because, again, you have a stark black, you have the edge world in, you know, in white type on the red on the bottom, and then you just have the image of these two characters, and it really, it's really eye-popping. Like, it really grabs your attention. So, I mean, if it was on the well, newsstand, it would really kind of grab someone's eye because, again, it's just something about the simple black and then just having these two characters in the middle. Well, thank you. I think that's that's exactly what I was hoping for. Um, something that was very simple but impactful from a storytelling standpoint, especially if, um, you know, the hope would be if someone had not heard of us or seen any of, the, any of the issues, that they would see that image and they would be intrigued by it. And then they would say, oh, maybe I should check this out. But it would also work um, to... Uh, 
who work for people who have followed the series, who would get to that fifth issue, know the history of the characters, know that this was an important moment, and be uh, and say, "Oh my God, I really have to see what happens in this issue." So I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you liked it. It was, uh, um, yeah, it was one of my favorite designs from the beginning. It's an interesting juxtaposition too, obviously, because the name of the story arc is "I Will Always Hate You." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, now on on this on the second page, and I think uh, Chuck had alluded to this before, but you have you know the great kind of flashback sequences, and again, it made me want to see you just doing you know interstellar war comics, Pat, because the shot of <laughs> of Killian and the others, and then the kind of marching through guns a blazing, like it's, it really is arresting. It's really action packed and really draws the eye. But the the thing that really drew my attention, especially with guided view, it kind of made it oh, maybe yeah. take on more view than you would normally. Is uh, yes. Killian's arm being cut off? Yeah, right. Like what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, I guess that's. Uh, can you have foreshadowing in a flashback? <laughs> I guess you can. Yeah. I guess the answer is yes. I guess so. Yeah. I guess we just did. But again, yeah, it, it, that, was, that that the great thing. Yeah, I mean that was that was fun to do a lot of those kind of. You see these images throughout um, the series, but specifically the way Chuck put this together on this one page of all these images um, that just speak to a larger world. So, uh, you know, the hope is that, um, you know, people that, that follow the book, that like the book and like the characters really get the feeling that they're part of a, that this story is part of a larger world, that there is a lot more to be said uh, and experienced with these characters than what we've done so far. It's interesting too because I, th- I feel like again, guided view kind of expands on this on the importance of every panel, right? But not that every panel isn't important, but there's just something like when you read a comic on the full page, sometimes your eyes will dart a little because of you know where they're yep. being drawn, right? Whereas with guided view, that's gone, and you get every page is kind of its own page, and every panel is its own page. So suddenly, what might have just been kind of a throwaway moment if you were just scanning a page because you're like, oh well, I haven't seen that, or maybe you wouldn't have you know thought too much about it, but because you have the full, you know, shot is just him getting his arm cut off. It really takes you by surprise. Like, wait, what is this? Because you have it, you have it couched between, you know, the familiar image of, um, you know, Shisessa and and the the daughter, uh, and then you have this, you know, this cool kind of war montage image. Then you have this, what is this image? And then you move back into things we've already seen before. The, you know, the loving embrace with Shisessa, and then her dying. So you have a sense of the timeline between them. Uh, I mean, you would imagine maybe they are chronological or not but so then it, again it makes you only wonder all the more what the secret is of this arm amputation <laughs> exactly yeah yeah that's all part of the plan <laughs> but I, I love details like that because as you said every time you get a detail like that it, it's not a throwaway it is part of part of in service to this grander world and this larger tale that you're telling and as you slowly kind of unpeel uh, the onion you're really starting to understand as a reader how much you've really planned this out like nothing is really thrown in for no reason even the you know even the shopkeeper with the weird legs Pat's thought about it <laughs> yeah, that's right. oh man has he <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> And I think that was one of the that's one of the benefits of there was a there was a um, a risk in telling the story that has been in the planning stages for two years, uh, where it would be too much information, and how do you disseminate that in a way that 
does it confuse readers, overwhelm readers, that kind of thing. So, so that was a risk. But the, the flip side is that there is a larger world that has taken two years to get to this point. And so there is so much out there that you can see that you're, you can you can throw these little panels in, and you can throw them in without any fear of um, like oh you know I'm gonna throw this in because it's a cool image and we'll figure it out later. No, everything in there is planned for a reason, and everything in there has a has a payoff at some point. So um, you know that, that's been the benefit I think to a large extent of having this exist in our heads for so long is that there is a lot of stories to tell in this universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's really true. And, uh, and yeah, every every issue is a fun discovery for us, I think, as much as it seems to have been for you, Adam. <laughs> I mean, we're, having a, we're just having a great time with it. We're just having such a blast. So I will let you guys go in just a moment, but I have a question just about uh, uh, says. um Sorry, Sheila's um, a wardrobe. You have, you know, this great kind of wider bill hat. Again, you have this as being kind of a Western in space. So obviously it kind of plays into that motif. But it's also like old school Westerns when you had kind of a younger character. That That's kind of the look they would often do. How in-depth did you guys discuss, you know, her wardrobe choice? Because obviously it kind of defines her look, especially as she's kind of the deputy, right? Oh, it's, it's funny that you bring that up. Uh, that has been... That has been a long topic of conversation about when about the hat switch, particularly, and when she changes to look more like the deputy. Um, and uh, and in fact, uh, uh, Jody's son—that's kind of like his big thing—is he's waiting for that hat because <laughs> 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 uh, he loved that first. We all loved the first, you know, sort of the the movie poster version that Pat did of the of mm. all the characters, which which wasn't originally supposed to be a cover. It was just like. Pat had some free time. <laughs> well, yeah, it was it was an idea that we had also come up with to help um, in one image try to sell. You know, when we thought about approaching people and said, "Hey, you know, maybe we should actually try to put this out into the world," it was just a single image to kind of sell the project. Say, "Okay, this is what we're looking at." Um, and but uh, yeah, so the, the top hat's on the first issue cover, but she's in the kind of the more round hat that's more akin to. Um, uh, we see in True Grit, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I'm blanking on the young girl's name, the character name in True Grit. And all of a sudden, that's very Maddie. Funny. Maddie, there you go. Um, so, um, but yeah, that, that conversation about the hat and the transition, and it's an important transition in her character too. So yeah, that that those those kinds of discussions uh, um, have been <laughs> have been ongoing. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we do have an answer. We're not going to spoil it for anybody. But we, <laughs> right, right, exactly. We, we do know exactly what's happening and when. <laughs> okay. Um, a question about this, well, I guess issues four and five, but um, I'm so intrigued by the the facial design or the head design for the coroner, um, which is such a – because, I mean, depending on the panel um, or the perspective, it kind of, you know, it, it's – it shifts a little like usually you have kind of one kind of angle but when it kind of gets up and you have this it's almost like it has a long potato for a head and i'm just curious <laughs> you know what so awesome. I love that. what went into the character design of this character i mean and even like when he's working he's basically like doesn't he have like a flower in his suit like there's just something very yeah. kind of regal about him even though he's doing something depraved right. so what kind of went into your character design of that and kind of making him look at this weird shape well i 
part of it was that as the as the Undertaker, I mean, you know, dressing in black and, and that kind of thing. Um, so I wanted it to be. Um, I wanted him initially to be kind of creepy in a way, but not threatening. So he had the flower in the lapel. You know, he has to deal with people who have had loss and, you know, that kind of thing. So I wanted him to be non-threatening, but also a little odd. So that's when we did the, I did the, the black, kind of the long black flowing uh, garments. Uh, uh, and the head itself has this kind of round shape, right? So it's got this round, big shape, which to me seemed can be um, – not can be non-threatening in a way because it's a soft shape. Um, but the way I tried to design a separate face piece, this kind of harder face piece around his eyes, his nose, and his mouth, and that kind of thing, knowing that later on, I was basically I was trying to design a character that initially would be, like I said, non-threatening, but also in the later scenes, he could pull off uh, looking menacing. So that was kind of the – I was trying to thread that needle a little bit with that kind of head shape and the, what he was wearing and, and that kind of stuff. So hmm. I don't know if that answers your question. Oh, it does. So I have, I have a question about um, – uh, this is more for you, Chuck, in terms of the scripting. Um, with Cheesy – and so you have this recurring theme in these two issues about um, – you have uh, Sheila saying, you know, I will, I will always hate you. And it's interesting how – I don't know, this is something really interesting about it, especially the last time that she says it, where it's a little bit more calm because she's just, you know, had her life hopefully saved, and she just kind of looks at Killian and says, you know, I still hate you, you know, I will always hate you, and then in the next, you know, I think an issue, a page or two later, and you have Chizzy's daughter or saying, you know, and I will never stop hating you, and it's just interesting juxtaposition of the two sentiments being very similar, but in a completely different way, and I thought it was just interesting because she'll never stop hating you, whereas for Sheila, I will always hate you, and I don't know why it hit me differently, and I was just curious what it kind of went, how much thought went into those lines of dialogue. Oh, a lot of thought went into the, that, those couple of pages. In fact, we, Pat and I discussed it in Biz and I discussed it quite a bit. The The intent was obviously to, that, you know, Chilo kind of is facing down this girl who's even angrier and more bitter than she is. And, and it's almost like a there but for the grace of God go I kind of moment. Hmm. And uh, like if I, you know, I can let myself go down that path of, of really hating Killian or... Um, I can find another direction, and so that's kind of the question of the of the next couple of arcs is is you know how is she going to deal with that um, the, the fact that you know he, this guy killed her dad and and uh, made her an orphan and then and at the same time wants to stay a part of her life and take care of her because he feels beholden to her for what he's done. So mm-hmm. um, and then there's also sort of the underlying. I mean, you know, you've seen the. Uh, the uh, third issue so um, there's, there's an underlying theme of whose fault was it really that Chaka got killed and uh, so there's a, there's a you know there's an additional layer going on with that as well and so the, the originally when um, I had written the scene um, she said she says to him I will always hate you and then she reaches out for his hand and he takes it and then she says but I guess I'll always love you too and Biz goes I think you should take that out <laughs> <laughs> And I thought about it, and I agreed. I agreed she was right. It shouldn't be there yet, because that's not – she's not at that place yet. And uh, and that's so much of what the story going forward is kind of about. And and especially in issue six, you'll see that. Um, I mean, I don't want to uh, 
spoil too much, but I don't think it's spoiling it that much to say that Killian adopts her, mm. and it does not go well. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so there's so these threads continue to play out through the course of their relationship, and mm. uh, uh, all the way up until I mean, we've actually even got the ending planned. I've written the last probably eight or nine pages of the of the entire series so we know exactly where it ends up and and how that all of that comes into play um uh as far as kind of wrapping up um the story as mm-hmm. it were so so there's a lot of thought a lot of thought that goes into it sometimes i'll do stuff like doc's line about you know <laughs> um you know i'm old and ugly and gotta get my jollies where i can that's just stuff that pop into my head and I don't know where it comes from and I, you know, <laughs> I make no apologies for it <laughs> but but then there are other things where we, we talk about it and argue about it Pat is actually Pat is the only guy that I will throw out an entire script for you know I've sent him scripts that he's gone yeah I don't, I don't think this is working the way you thought it was Jack and I <laughs> <laughs> so I'll literally toss it. And I think I'm the only guy that he'll go back and redraw panels for. So, well, yeah, I think just... that's, and, and I think that was one of the things that we figured out early on is that we see a lot of storytelling the same way, uh, character the same way. So I, it became kind of a natural uh, process to decide that okay, you know, if I if you want to do a creator-owned project, uh, you want to do it with somebody who sees a lot of the same storytelling world building things the, the same way you do yeah yeah when, uh, that moment you speak I just, of I, oh sorry go ahead oh i was just gonna say i mean it it, it really is such a true collaboration that you know i, I just I, I can't imagine this is not like you could swap out another artist later on really i, I don't see it that way it's like god i hope not pat. <laughs> That's, that's, that sounds like job security, Pat. Well, or even a writer. Or they, you know, it's not like you know, you exactly, right, exactly right. On this we're, yeah, it's like basically we're stuck with each other. We're, we're a package deal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when uh, the the moment you, you were talking about Pat about that, you kind of took out that you know her saying you know and I will always love you. I do like the ambiguity of the panel that we got because you're not really sure who she's gesturing for either. You know her brother or Killian, so I kind of like the the potential ambiguity there because of how Pat drew it. And I think that probably pays off. Uh, we talked about before about the guided view thing. Is that yeah. I think that panel after panel reveal, I think I think that that pays off even better that way. Yeah, because then because like, because then it almost feels like he's the one grabbing her and not the other way around. But I guess you can, and I guess that's kind of the cool thing about this kind of medium is that you can kind of read it either way, and you're kind of, you know, the reader is able to kind of see what they want in the story. And if you guys end up playing it out a certain way later, that's great. But it's it's ambiguous enough that you could have it; it, it would work either way. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Which we both love to do. We both love, you know, yeah. the yeah. Um, yeah that sort of mystery fun that you get to play with things like that. Now this is maybe a, a pedantic question, but uh, the for the upcoming trade, is it going to have the, the cover to issue number one, or is it going to have a different a new piece of work? Uh, it's the cover to issue one. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. I thought, and, and I think that we talked a lot about <clears throat> that. There was a discussion about a new cover, um, but. Um, it just kind of happened that that first issue cover, I think, really clicked with everybody. It's just kind of uh, iconic to the series, and it encapsulates everything that we want. Um, 
So the other thing, too, is that because um, the first issue was never on the stands, there really isn't going to be a lot of confusion. Is this the first issue? Is this the trade or anything uh, like that from that from that image? Um, they've never. It will never be racked together. It will never be a confusing it'll, because that obviously the first issue was never in a comic shop and never will be in a comic shop because it's a, a you know obviously it's a it's a digital comic. So the trade using that image is a standalone thing, and I thought that that we, we thought that that not only the image was appropriate for the for the trade paperback. But it would be confusing to readers as to what they're looking at because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's 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 it'll be on the rack essentially for the first time. Was there any pushback with that first cover about having someone you know lying in the in a pile of their own blood? <laughs> Fortunately, no. There has been very little pushback. Um, yeah, actually, shh, don't say anything. We told. We told Comixology it was wine. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I forgot. Oh, no. Oh, no. What shall I do? <laughs> it's funny because yeah, no, it's one of those... Actually, we, it felt like it was one of those details I, like, I didn't immediately notice, and I was just looking at it again. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> it's one of those things that Pat just sticks in there. Like, Right. Well, and that truly was um, a lot of that stuff... Uh, was and it was the benefit of uh, like I mentioned before taking so long to kind of get this up and running which is spending a long time Chuck had written a ton of scripts but I had already designed the street scenes and what the characters looked like I got a sense of what I thought the world should look like so when it came time to put together time to put together an image that would be uh, something to sell the series encapsulate the series it was pretty easy to do because I had already you know, it was already in my head. Hmm. Uh, I actually want to just speaking about the covers for a second. Like cover the issue. Uh, sorry, the cover to issue three. Uh, once you read it, it, really takes on a different light because of how it's bathed in the, those deadly reds. You have Chaka and you have uh, Killian on either side, and then you have um, Sheila inside on the kind of interior um, in the middle between them. And again, when you first read it, you don't think anything of it. But once you read the issue, you're like, holy, okay, this is where we're going. That's what it was really telling you about. So I, I like that you, you, you really use the cover in a clever way because, you know, it tells you so much, but if you don't, haven't read the issue yet, you maybe don't even realize just what it's telling you. Yeah, I think that was, you know, that's the idea of any, you know, any cover that's well designed. And I, I'm, you know, I, uh, that I think that I was pretty happy with the covers that that, that, that we used for this for these issues and uh, um, yeah you want something that's visually arresting but also gives you some insights into the story but also can stand on its own so yeah I was I was happy with it and uh, Lee did an amazing job with the colors yeah the, the reds and um, and her being that the, those uh, those greens and blues it just pops out right in the middle of the cover there yeah. I mean, for me, the thing that I love about what Pat does with the covers is that he's still telling story. You know, mm-hmm. he's still thinking about what the story is and what the characters' relationships are. And even the uh, even the second uh, issue, um, you know, with Killian and the guns, uh, there's this impression that he's he's there's destruction in this town that he's going through and blowing people away. But it's actually two moments in time. It's the it's the S map hitting the town in the past while he's blazing guns. In the Right. sort of the future middle middle era and uh and i you know i love the fact that he's got that duality on the cover as well as what we have going on in this in the script in the uh, story so um there's a lot of that that i, I mean you know 
I know, I know. I'm just praising Pat. Just like, that's what I do. Like I said, I'm going to have to keep writing new checks, Chuck. I now, now, Pat, do you still own all the covers? I do. Yep, I do. I've begged him for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, yeah, so I, yeah, I, I still own all the covers. Uh, Chuck, we'll have to, you know, uh, you, I, I, I can't, you know. Instead of the checks, maybe I'll just send covers. <laughs> so, Chuck, to put you on the spot, if you could only own one of those five covers from from Pat, which one would it be? Um, you know, I, I, as much as I love that first one so much, um, I probably would go with the third one because mm-hmm. that's the first script that we wrote, and it just so encapsulates. It's like you said; it so encapsulates that story that. Um, it just it, it has sort of sentimental meaning to me at this point. I think, mm. um, but that by by no means feel that, that you are pressured in any way to mail that <laughs> to me tomorrow, Pat. So, <laughs> so to flip so to flip the question, Pat, which one would you be most likely to let go? <laughs> I think it turns out the third one. <laughs> It's, uh, um, um, yes, I mean, obviously, uh, uh, <laughs> if anyone deserves a cover, it's Chuck. So. <laughs> That's for sure. That's very gracious of you. Sure. <laughs> um, Thank you. Thanks, Adam. If I didn't know this was going to happen, I would have done an interview sooner. <laughs> um, so I guess la- last question is, when, you know, do you have a, a rough sense of when we'll be able to you know, enjoy more Edgeworld coming out? Um, I think we're, we're wrapping up six, uh, so we still have, you know, uh, four more issues to go. Uh, I don't, I think that I probably should give you a, I, I can't really commit to a time frame in, in case I get it, in case I get it wrong. That's so <laughs> what I said in, in some of the posts that I made today, is that what my plan is to just kind of keep people updated um with images of the of the book as, as I'm producing them, but just kind of keep everybody aware uh, of uh, you know, the book in process. And then when we get a little bit closer, we'll be happy to be able to get our release date. Yeah, I think the way that we were planning on it was to to always make sure that the five issue arcs kind of came out as a uh, once a month. Hmm. And so whenever Pat's ready, um, that's probably when it'll happen. Yeah, I just I just want to make sure we get a, we get ahead enough um, to make sure that we've got you know that there won't be any you know it's always the it's always the risk you know there's going to be a gap between the first arc and the second arc so you hope um, that the people that were fans of the book will continue to be fans of the book and look forward to to, to the next arc when it comes out uh, as opposed to uh, getting issue six or seven out closer to the end of the fifth issue. Uh, but then have gaps between, you know, eight, nine, and ten because mm-hmm. I, you know, I, there wasn't enough uh, in reserve. So uh, I think the way to go uh, is usually just, like I said, keeping everybody up to date, um, posting art when I can. Um, but then once we have enough uh, available, uh, when enough issues are done, where we know we would have an unbroken monthly run of five issues, I think that that's the kind of the best plan. Mm. I mean, in fairness, issue five came out today, and I'm already pushing you on issue six. <laughs> well, that's a good thing, though. That's a good thing. Very true. 
Well, again, yeah. Pat, Chuck, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to go through uh, the series with me today. And again, when we have, uh, I guess, the issue six coming out, I'll have you guys back on if you're up for it to kind of talk yeah. about, you know, jumping into a new arc. And then, uh, again, when we have the, maybe the, the second arc all done, I'd love to have you guys back for kind of a debrief because I really enjoyed kind of going through the nooks and crannies of this and really kind of uh, examining this both from a script perspective and from an art perspective. So I really thank you both. No, oh, that would yeah. be great, Adam. Pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much, Adam. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much.